The 2019 MLS season is almost here, and before it kicks off, we have to go over everything. The SBI show is back, better late than ever, and we will get into as much of the preview of the upcoming season as we can in this abbreviated episode before we get things rolling with this show on a regular basis starting next week. But for now, it's time to talk MLS 2019. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarcep, and I'm coming to you from Madrid, Spain, uh, where I'm actually in town for the Clásico, Real Madrid-Barcelona, uh, taking place on Saturday. They actually played on Wednesday uh, as well. Barcelona took care of Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. Now they're going to play again in league play, and uh, obviously Barcelona's uh, in, in competing for the title. Real Madrid's uh, been been struggling in league play, and at this point they're looking to focus on the Champions League. But still, with that rivalry, you can't just give away wins. So it should, Real Madrid-Barcelona should be an exciting one. It's going to be my first time seeing the Clásico in person. Uh, i got to say I'm pretty excited about that. I will not be in the U.S. for week one of the MLS season, but I will be watching remotely. Uh, you got to love technology. Uh, even though I am in Madrid, I was able to watch the CONCACAF Champions League uh, courtesy of the DirecTV app, which is definitely a, a game changer. Uh, it lets you you know watch what you want to watch wherever you are, and uh, this, is not a, this is not an ad. <laughs> I wish it were. Uh, but just if you've never used it, and if you happen to have DirecTV, I highly recommend using it. But I'll be watching. I'll be using that app to watch MLS action on Saturday uh, before I head back on Sunday to the to the U.S. But before we get to Week One, we have to talk about the upcoming 2019 MLS season. I'm going to give you the abbreviated preview. I know normally in the past we've done full uh, multi-episode previews, Western Conference, Eastern Conference separately. Uh, fortunately, I was not able to pull that off this time around. Had some issues uh, with with the with bringing the show back, and and you know for now uh, we're keeping the show on SoundCloud until uh, I have an opportunity to to move it over. I, I do still plan to move it over, but for now I wanted to get a, a preview episode up. Uh, live, so people could kind of get have something to uh, something to listen to, something to chew on uh, before the season begins, and also so there's an episode for posterity, so people can look back at my picks and my predictions and make fun of me. Uh, I've become used to that over the years, and uh, this is actually going to be my 20th season. Uh, it's 20 years now of me covering MLS. Uh, 1999 was the first season that I covered the uh, New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, and man. That is so long ago. It definitely feels a long time ago, and 20 years is a long time. Uh, so much has changed. Uh, you're talking about uh, back when there was 10 teams, 12 teams in MLS. Now it's double that. Now we're talking 24 teams. FC Cincinnati is joining the league. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about briefly talk about all 24 teams. We're going to try to fit it all in. We also have a guest for this episode. It's an MLS season preview episode. We had that MLS player for the show, and we have Nick Lima, the San Jose Earthquake slash U.S. National Team defender, who was nice enough to join us uh, to talk about the upcoming season for San Jose, a team that I see having a big turnaround, and also with, uh, talking about the national team where. Nick Lima was definitely one of the stars of the, the, the recent camp for the U.S. national team. Uh, we'll get all, get into all that in a bit. First things first, we have to talk about Ch- CONCACAF Champions League. Four of five MLS teams 
have made it to the quarterfinal rounds. Sorry, Toronto FC, you weren't able to get it done. Toronto FC got knocked off by Independiente of Panama uh, in pretty ugly fashion. And I know folks in Toronto are, are in full panic mode now. Uh, and I think people, a lot of people just took for granted that Toronto would, would, would rebound. But obviously, once Sebastian Jovinko left town, you knew things were serious. You knew that TFC has some real problems and they have they, they need to go get some reinforcements if they're if they're going to avoid falling back into that that kind of forgettable level uh, that they were in for so many years uh, before this recent uh, three, four year run of success. But they were the only team that actually lost to the MLS contingent. Uh, the other four were able to win uh, Atlanta United with an impressive rally to beat uh, the Costa Rican champions at Ediano uh, 4-0. And uh, Ezekiel Barco looked outstanding. Obviously, Pinti Martinez looked good. Joseph Martinez uh, looking looking like his MVP self after uh, was a pretty rough first leg. Leandro Gonzalez Perez looked better, but Ezekiel Barco, man, he was a story for me. He just looked so sharp, and, and you know, I've been hearing how good he looks in preseason, or how good he looked in preseason, and it's really looking like now he might be the player that Atlanta thought that they were going to get when they spent all that money to sign him a year ago. Uh, Atlanta moves on. Uh, they're going to play Monterrey in the quarterfinals. That's going to be a great matchup. Obviously, Monterrey, a very tough uh, Mexican team. Looking forward to that one in the quarterfinals. Uh, the one matchup in the round of 16 that was MLS versus Liga Mekis was Sporting Kansas City against Toluca, and Sporting KC smacked up Toluca. Dominated them, dominated them in Mexico in the second leg to just run away with the series. And look, to be fair, Toluca's just been in a really bad run of form. They are not a good team at the moment, but they're in the Champions League and they got beat up pretty bad. And Sporting Kansas City, you got to give them credit. They're just starting their season. They're still kind of in preseason mode, but they didn't look like they were in preseason mode. They were outstanding, moving the ball around, pressing, just looking super, super sharp. And, and I know uh, when people are talking about uh, MLS Cup contenders and dark horses and, and, and who other than Atlanta United can you talk about for an MLS Cup, uh, Sporting Kansas City is looking like that team or one of those teams, the way they looked in beating Toluca. Uh, now they move on. They play Independiente, the team that beat TFC. And I'd, it's safe to say uh, Sporting Kansas City will have a much better chance of knocking off the Panamanians because they actually have uh, a good defense and TFC's defense was atrocious in their series that's why they just got torched by the Panamanian side you like Sporting Kansas City's chances in that matchup also we have the New York Red Bulls took care of business they beat the uh, the Dominican team Pantoja uh, handled them with ease they, you know you expect the Red Bulls to do that they take the tournament seriously but now things get much tougher the Red Bulls take on Santos Laguna in the quarterfinals and that's going to be another very good matchup uh, the MLS teams don't have it easy into that going into that next round uh, both Atlanta and the Red Bulls uh, they're feeling good about where they uh, about where they are right now heading into the quarters but they're it's by no means easy they're going to have two tough matchups in the quarterfinals uh also, the Houston Dynamo, which may have the toughest matchup. Uh, Houston, give them credit, they got to the quarterfinals, but the Dynamo now take on Tigres. And Andre Pierre Gignac and, and that team, uh, and, and we all know how dangerous they can be. Uh, I think they, they are going to go into the quarterfinals looking to beat up the Dynamo after being eliminated a year ago by TFC in the semifinals of this tournament. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Tuca Ferretti is going to remind his team what happened last year. And I think Tigres is on a mission in this one. Uh, but you know what? You have four MLS teams into the quarterfinals, and I would say all four of them have have a, a chance to win. Houston's the biggest dark horse, no question. They're the biggest underdog. Uh, but Red Bulls, Atlanta, I think they, they they definitely both have chances, and KC, I think, is the favorite. I think they absolutely should go through to the, to the semifinals. That's going to be fun to watch. 
uh, some great matchups there. Uh, and it's good to see these teams, these MLS teams, look, looking sharper heading into this part of the tournament when they're technically still in preseason form. Uh, I know but nobody likes to talk about that. People like to say that using that as an excuse, uh, especially when you look at TFC and how terrible they looked. And initially the thought was, well, you know, they're in preseason form. But then when you turn around and you see what the Red Bulls did, what Sporting Kansas City did, what Atlanta did, even what Houston did, then that excuse wears a little thin. Uh, but credit to the four teams that made it through for MLS. Now they have their work cut out in the next round. Now we have to move on to the actual 2019 MLS season preview. And we're going to start with the Western Conference. And we have 12 teams to get through. I'm going to just zoom through them real quickly for you. And I'm going to go in reverse order. And it, it's it's wide open. The Western Conference is wide open. I think it's it's gotten stronger uh, in terms of the top part of, of the Western Conference, uh, the Eastern Conference had had kind of pulled away over the last couple of years, but the, I think the Western Conference has gotten tougher uh, heading into this year. Uh, we'll, and we'll start from the bottom. I'm going to have to go with, for me, the last team, I'm going to go with Vancouver. And uh, I'm a little wary of picking Vancouver last just because I really respect Mark DeSantos as a coach. And I think he, he, he if there's a coach who can make it work with all the new pieces in Vancouver, I think it's Mark DeSantos. Having said that, it's so tough when you have a team that rebuilds the way Vancouver rebuilt. I mean, you're talking about an almost complete overhaul uh, with the Whitecaps. Obviously, when Carl Robinson was, uh, left the Whitecaps last year, you knew this offseason it was going to be a huge shakeup, huge roster turnover, and that's that's what happened. And obviously, getting Freddie Montero back is big, and, and they, they've made some interesting additions, but I just, for me, I just don't see it working, uh, at least not in year one. And for me, that's why I have them going, I have them 12th. Uh, in the West. Uh, at number 11, I'm going to go to the Houston Dynamo. And I know the Dynamo are a really popular pick for people uh, as a team that could turn it around, especially after they won the Open Cup last year. Mara Minotas is playing well. I don't know. I just don't see the Dynamo. Uh, there's, for me, something's missing there. Uh, I don't think they're terrible, but I think I, I'm not sold on them. I'm not sold on them defensively. I know they've made some cha- some upgrades defensively, but I'm in the Western Conference with the way things are stacking up with the way some other teams have improved. I'm going to go with the Dynamo at 11. Uh, at number 10, I'm going to go FC Dallas. And I know that FC Dallas is some team is some people's popular pick uh, as a team that, that's going to make noise because even with the youth movement. And look, Luchi Gonzalez, he's a new coach. He's a new head coach. And there's going to be some growing pains there. He's a smart guy, very sharp guy. He's obviously... Uh, you know, he has Peruvian, some of some Peruvian uh, blood in there. And, and, you know, I'm a little, bi- obviously a little, little biased there. Uh, I've had a chance to talk to, to, to Luchi and Luchi Gonzalez and sharp guy. But look, he's a first year pro head coach. He's going to have his growing pains. He's also trying to incorporate young players. That's never, that's never easy. It's never easy. So uh, I think they're going to have some growing pains and maybe in year two, they really see the jump that they make. Uh, but for me right now, I'm not sold on it. So I'm going to go with Dallas at number 10. In at number nine, the Colorado Rapids. And when you want to talk about teams that, that really did a lot in the offseason, obviously the Rapids with some really big uh, pickups uh, of MLS talent. Now, in 2018, Colorado just was atrocious, and it was because a lot of the the, the foreign signings that they made didn't pan out. They did they, they just didn't work out. Uh, poor Ike Smith just did not do a good job on the foreign market, and they paid the price. And he learned a lesson. I'll give poor Ike Smith credit. He learned a lesson. He saw what happened there. He said, you know what? I'm going to go get some top MLS players. And that's what he did. Kai Kamara, Benny Fellhaber, Keegan Rosenberry. They have added some really good pieces. Diego Rubio. Right there, that four. That's four very good MLS players. And I think the Rapids are going to be better, right? I, I know having them at nine, it's not necessarily saying that they're going to, you know, 
they are going to have a good year. I think they can have a good year. For me, the big question is, is, is their head coach? Can he, uh, can Anthony Hudson coach? And I had my questions about him going into last year. Very skeptical about his ability as a coach. He hasn't, and he hasn't done anything to change my mind in that regard. And since I still have my doubts about his, him as a head coach, I'm not convinced he's the guy that's going to get these things, get this figured out, get these new pieces to work together. And since I don't see that happening, I don't see them finishing better than night. So unfortunately for, you know, for them. But hey, who knows? You know what? If they turn it around, I'll be the first to say I was wrong. And if they do turn it around, it's because Anthony Hudson figures it out. We'll see if he can do that. Up next, we have in it number eight. And I know it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. I'm going to go Real Salt Lake. And I know RSL showed quite a bit in the playoffs last year. They uh, knocked off LAFC. They gave Sporting KC all they could handle. Now they've gone and made some additions to their squad uh, at forward in the midfield. So when you look at it, they should. There's every reason to believe there should be a natural progression there. But I am not sold. I'm not sold on them as a team compared to the other teams in the West and what some of the other teams in the Western Conference have done. Uh, and there's some teams that I just see making a jump this year. And we see it every year. We see some teams just make a jump. And I see a couple of teams jumping over RSL. So, uh, you know what? RSL could totally prove me wrong. My pecky could prove me wrong. They definitely have the pieces there to do to be better than, than eighth. They could, they could be, for me, they could be as high as fifth. I don't see them being much higher than that. But I think I have them in at eighth, which would have them narrowly missing the playoffs. And the reason I have RSL eighth is because I have two teams jumping up in the West pretty high. First one is Minnesota United. Uh, I have them in at number seven. And obviously we know how bad their defense was last year. But we also know they had their their share. They had the rash of injuries that that cost them some of their top players, including Kevin Molino. And now Kevin Molino's back. We'll see how he looks when he comes back. But the big moves for Minnesota, adding uh, Ozzy Alonso and Ike Opara, two huge additions two of the best players in MLS and right they come right into the lineup and they help address that defense and you know if you're Adrian Heath you have you have to be feeling really good about that and about being able to compete and I think between that and between the players that are coming back from injury Ethan Finley uh, Kevin Molino uh, we'll see if Angelo Rodriguez can live up to the hype and uh, you know if coming in now with a full preseason can he get it done? Can he be the goal scorer that they that they wanted and thought they were getting when they got rid of Christian Ramirez? I think they I think they have enough, and I think with the additions of Alonzo and Opara, I think they're going to squeeze into the playoffs, be the, the, their first playoff appearance. But they're not the biggest turnaround that I see in the Western Conference. That go that honor goes to the San Jose Earthquakes, and I know people are going to say, "What? You're crazy." San Jose Earthquakes, the worst team in MLS last year. Are they really going to jump into the playoffs? Yes, I see it, and it's because of the head coach. Matias Almeida, I don't know who thought the Earthquakes would have a chance to hire a coach like Matias Almeida, but they've done it. They've brought him in. They've already made some really sharp pickups. Christian Espinosa, Marcos Lopez, uh, the goalkeeper Daniel Vega. That, that trio alone, I think, is going to be huge for them. And look, San Jose, as bad as they were, They've got some nice pieces there to build around. Nick Lima, who's on the show, obviously, uh, it, you know, he showed with the national team the quality that he has. A uh, player like Vaco, uh, who obviously goes overlooked there. Chris Wondolowski's still kicking around. He still has, you know, he has a chance this year to break the MLS sco- uh, goal-scoring record held by Landon Donovan. He still has something in the tank. Uh, and then Florian Youngworth, who I think is a very underrated goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper <laughs> very underrated defender. Florian Youngworth, I think, is a very underrated defender. And now, with that team being better, and more importantly, with Almeida in there to implement a system 
and to really tighten things up. I think San Jose is going to be a real surprise, and I have them. In the, I have them finishing in the playoffs, and and it's going to be. I think it's going to be a, a much different tune in San Jose. Uh, up next, uh, we we obviously have the top five, and the top five at, in at number five. I know some people are going to be some people in Portland are not going to be happy, but I have the Timbers in at number five. Obviously, they got to the MLS Cup final last year. Uh, Diego Valeri doing what he does, one of the best players in the league. Sebastian Blanco with a with a really good year for them, and we know the Timbers are looking to spend money. We know they're out there trying to add another marquee piece to the puzzle. If they do that, obviously that changes things. You can move them up, but for now, I have them kind of settled in at number five. Uh, there's definitely some questions there. I think they still need a striker. Uh, their defense, obviously, you know, they they've moved on from Leon Ridgewell. I'm not sold on their defense being being one of the better defenses in the league, and I think. For me, I still have my questions there. They're a good team, right? And Giovanni Savarisi, very good coach. So because of that, I have him in the top five. But in terms of being in a, back back in MLS Cup next year, this year, uh, being a top one, uh, you know, top two or three team in the West, I don't see it right now. Things could change, obviously, once they uh, have the opportunity to pick up, uh, pick up a big-time player, which they're obviously looking for. Up next, LAFC clocking it at number four uh and this is an, this is a tough one right because i really like lafc i think bob bradley's an excellent coach carlos vela uh mvp contender but you know what i don't know i think their defense st- i still have some questions about their defense obviously that was the big issue for them down the stretch last year uh lauren simon uh, left and and it, they, they were never quite the same after he left walker zimmerman it is a big year for walker zimmerman he signed a new deal uh to make him one of the higher paid defenders in mls he's broken in with the u.s national team the pressure's on. He's got to get it done. He's got to, you know, he has to lead that defense and really uh, look like an MLS uh, Defender of the Year type player. Uh, and actually, I, I picked him as my pick to be MLS Defender of the Year. And if he can play on that level, then definitely LAFC is going to be in pretty good shape. But we'll see. There's some other teams that I think are, are ahead of them. And I know some LAFC fans are not going to be happy that I have L- the LA Galaxy in at number three ahead of LAFC. I know it's a little crazy, especially... With what we still don't know what's going on with with, with the Galaxy and their roster, who they're going to go at. They just sold Ola Kamara to China. What we do know now, one aspect of the Galaxy roster is that Gio Dos Santos will not be on it. Uh, the Galaxy made the move to buy out his contract on Friday. Uh, it was a move that, you know, you, even though it's clear there's been reports that that MLS and the Galaxy were trying to figure out a way to uh, to make it work so that he wouldn't have to uh, be bought out and that he would stay with the Galaxy. But my understanding is is that this is this has been a long time coming, uh, that he wasn't going to be around. Um, as far as the Galaxy go, I mean, with the money that he was making, it's one thing people need to understand. It's one thing when you know you want to get rid of a player who you're not really happy with and that you don't really want to keep paying millions of dollars to. It's another thing when you have that situation, but he, his brother's on the team and his brother's an important part of the team. So I think for me, if you're the galaxy and you know, you, you have, you have to at least show some good faith to Jonathan Dos Santos that you're going to try to make it work with his brother. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure the galaxy didn't want Gio Dos Santos back under any circumstances. Never mind the, the whole idea of, of restructuring the contract, making him a tan player. Again, even if, if they wanted that, I mean, Gio Dos Santos would have wanted to agree to that. And obviously if you're Dos Santos and you have a contract, you, you're supposed to get a certain amount of money. You're not necessarily, you know, going to want to, change that you're not going to want to spread that money out over a couple years 
and clearly, you know, if that is in fact what the Galaxy tried to do or, or tried to offer and he turned it down, you can't really blame him. And now uh, it's interesting because while his contract was quote unquote bought out by, by the Galaxy, really all that does is free the Galaxy from any obligations to DeSantos. But based on reports that, that have made the rounds, his contract's still intact and the Galaxy, uh, MLS still has his contract. So he could move on to another team. Uh, and uh, I know people, some people might be scratching their heads about that, but you have to remember MLS is a single entity at the end of the day. The, uh, you know, MLS, while it is down 2014, it is considered one entity. So that contract's still in play. Uh, and, and we'll see where, where Gio winds up. You know, he, for me, obviously, I don't think he's worth the money. He hasn't been worth the money since he's gotten there. I think he had one good season where he really kind of showed what he could do. But he, he, unfortunately for, for him and unfortunately for the Galaxy, he just didn't do that enough. And I think it was inevitable that he was going to go. And now, if you're the Galaxy, you have a new coach in, in Shiloto. You have a new uh, technical director, uh, general manager in Dennis DeClose with the connections that he has, with the connections that Shiloto have has uh, i mean now you have that designated you don't have the designated player slot but you have the money that you would have been spending on DeSantos uh, to use that in other in other ways and and i'm i'm very interested to see who the galaxy go after at the end of this transfer window and then in the summer they they still could go buy somebody uh buy some reinforcements come the summer now the really big question about the galaxy heading into the new season along with who are they going to go get with this money they have now is Will their defense be better? Uh, I think, I, you know, I respect Shiloto as a manager. I, I think he is going to help help improve the Galaxy. And I think, look, what people need to realize, Latan Ibrahimovic did not have preseason last year. He was coming off the knee injury. He showed up a few games into the season. Uh, this time around, he's, got a, he's had a chance to have a full preseason with this team. Uh, I think it's an improved team. I think it's an improved group set up with Shiloto in charge. And I think that's why I, I see Zlatan Ibrahimovic having a monster season. It could be a record-breaking season. And Joseph Martinez just set the record for goals in the season last year with 31. I think Zlatan could definitely break that record, especially if the Galaxy can get their, get get some regular contributions from their wingers. So a monster season. And Joseph Martinez just set the record for goals in the season last year with 31. I think Zlatan could definitely break that record, especially if the Galaxy can get their, get get some regular contributions from their wingers. Sebastian Legette, Romain Alessandrini, if he sticks around. Efren Alvarez, who I think is a big, big, big candidate to break out uh, the teenager. Uh, he's going to move up to the first team. And we all, you know, we all saw the highlights of him tearing up USL. Obviously, I'm MLS is a different level, but he's going to have better talent around him, and it's going to free him up and really give him an opportunity to show what he can do. And I think he's going to be—he's my pick as far as breakout player this year. I think he has an opportunity to really have a special year. Up next, the Seattle Sounders, and they're a team that you know what—I have them in at number two, but I really could see them, and I really—I should pick them to get to the MLS Cup final. Uh, the reason I have them in at number two is because they—they uh, they still have some pieces to add to this team. And even without adding, having added those pieces yet, their starting lineup is very strong, especially when you consider Oswald, you know, Ozzy Alonso's moved on. But when you look at how they look now, when they're healthy, and obviously that's a big question mark. You have to be able to stay healthy. Jordan Morris is back. That's huge for them. You have Raul Ruiz from the start of the season. Because, look, he, he came in at halfway point last year and was outstanding. And I know, look, I'm Peruvian. I'm going to be a little biased on it. But he was unbelievable. He's gonna, you're going to have a full year of him. And I think Seattle's defense is going to be pretty solid. 
even though, look, Chad Marshall, is he's still one of the best in the league, but you know what? He's not getting any younger. So I know Kim Key, he has the, 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 the young legs to, to kind of provide the support next to him. But if anything happens to Chad Marshall, all of a sudden, if you're Seattle, you go from being a team that could challenge for the top spot to a team that better go buy a center back because, you know what, he's so important to them. But Seattle, I really like them this year, especially if they can go get those pieces in the summer or even before the, the, the window closes now uh, before May. Uh, and they do have the money to do that. They do have, as far as I know, they have the resources to go add a player or two. And I think, and I'm pretty sure they will. They will do that. In at number one in the Western Conference, you got to go with Sporting Kansas City, even though they sold or traded Ike Opara, the the big uh, big defender who was so so key for them. But obviously, they have depth in in, in central defense. Uh, but for me, just their attack and the way the way they've kind of morphed, they've transformed from a team that you know you used to kind of see as a defending counter team now they are a team that likes to attack and it likes to really go at people and they're playing a really attractive brand of soccer and their defense is still pretty solid and they still have Tim Millie in goal one of the best goalkeepers in the league they have everything you need could they use a striker could they use a top striker that's the question they have the money and they have the desire to go get one the question is where do you get one can you convince one to come play in Kansas City? And that, no slight against Kansas City. I love Kansas City. Who doesn't love Kansas City barbecue? It's the best, some of the best barbecue in the world. I know they would say the best barbecue. I still stand by Austin having the best barbecue, but that's a whole other argument. I, and I've had these conversations with, with officials of Sporting Kansas City that it's not always easy. It's not necessarily easy to sell a, you know, a, a, a big name player on, on moving to Kansas City. And that, that's the tricky part for them. If they can get a big time striker, uh, spend the money to go get a designated player, elite level striker, that changes things because then you're talking about them really looking like a favorite to win, to win the whole thing. I know Atlanta's going to still be the favorite, but Sporting Kansas City, if they add that striker that they've been wanting to add for a few years now, uh, all of a sudden, they're for me, they're definitely a notch above everyone else in the West. Uh, and so, so for right now, that's why for me, I have Sporting Kansas City in at number one in the West. And before we get into the Eastern Conference, uh, we have to have our guest for the episode, and we have a Western Conference player, a U.S. national team player. We have none other than San Jose Earthquakes slash U.S. national team defender Nick Lima, who's joining us uh, uh, right before the start of the season. He obviously had the great January camp with the U.S. national team. More people know about him now than maybe they did a few months ago, and uh, definitely his stock's rising, and he's kind enough to join us uh, from, from San Jose. Uh, Nick Lima, welcome to the SBI show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. No, of course, we had to have you on. This is actually your second time on. I think you were on at the beginning of last year, and a lot has happened in the year since the last time you were on. Uh, first thing we're going to have to talk about, obviously, is the national team and, and you getting that opportunity to get called in. Uh, now, when you first got the call, I mean, were you, were you expecting it? Did you have any idea a call-up was coming uh, for this January camp? No, I, I didn't really have any expectation or, you know, I had, I got a call actually from, from the GM and similar last year, you know, an email as well, just saying, Hey, you're invited to January camp. And yeah, I was just as excited because obviously it's, you know, the start of something new under Greg Berhalter. Right. And obviously it sounds like you had, you, had, you know, even before the games, you know, I had heard a lot of good things about how, 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 how you were doing in camp. And obviously, everyone there is kind of adjusting to, to Greg Berhalter as the head coach, except for the crew guys, because the crew guys obviously played for him. But uh, it, sound, it, it just really seemed like you, you, you kind of adapted really well to, to his style of play and his system. 
What, what was the, I mean, were you, were you surprised at how comfortable, how smooth that transition was, or, or, or was it, or was there some kind of, you know, growing pains early on for you? Um, yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even uh, classify it as a smooth transition, um, because when we came in, it was new to everyone, and I started out in one spot in the beginning, and when it came towards the end with the two games, I was in a different spot, and, um, you know, we're on the same boat learning new system. Even the guys in Columbus, I think there's a little bit of a difference from what he did in Columbus to with the national team. And, um, yeah, there's <laughs> the growing pains are, you know, I think we're just hitting the surface of, of the growing pains if there is an opportunity to get another look with the national team. But, yeah, throughout the camp I made funny mistakes. But, you know, with the idea and knowledge going into camp that, hey, it's going to be something new. We're going to, you know, have this focus on the style of play and uh, all the tactics are involved. That Yeah, I had an open mind, and I think I was uh, willing and, and ready to, to, you know, go in with that open mind and then, you know, soak up as much as I can from him. Now, when you play in that first game, uh, and that game ends, did you, I mean, as that game's going on, did you have a sense that you were playing well, and did you, did you know kind of when that game was over that, you, that you'd had a pretty, pretty good debut? Well, I think uh, in the like the end of the game, like the 70th minute, I had made a mistake, and I was playing on Greg's side, and I just got chewed out. Well, not chewed out, but he, you know, <laughs> with he had he had to yell at me, and I'm just like thinking in my head, oh shoot, like here goes another mistake, like dang it, you know. And, and like I said, you know, there were are growing pains, and there are definitely a lot of mistakes that I made, and even you know, just things that were absent in what I did in the game that obviously aren't seen, but for what he was wanting, you know, maybe weren't there. So going over it in film, uh, there are definitely mistakes. Um, so yeah, yeah, like I said, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, it's only the beginning and yeah, but I mean, as, as the, uh, <clears throat> game ended, I was just so excited, you know, playing with that group, getting a debut with the nerves, the excitement, um, and the energy, from that group to get that win and in the way the game ended up turning out. Um, yeah, I didn't really think about it too much until, uh, yeah, I was laying in bed later that night and it's like four thirty in the morning and I'm like, well, I can't, I can't go to sleep. So <laughs> that, that's when I kind of, I soaked it in like, okay, yeah, that was, uh, that was cool. Now, now you knew the second game was in San Jose and that was going to be a, be a, obviously a unique experience. You can't, you got pretty close to, to a goal, if I recall correctly. Uh, well, uh, what was that that just overall experience like? Play, a little surreal playing at Avaya, but not playing Fred San Jose. What, what was that like? Yeah, I mean that's you know that's something where two worlds clash, and you know you you dream as a kid growing up for me going to earthquake games, but on the grand stage watching World Cups on the TV, you know, with the national team, and both of your dreams, and you know the national team is obviously you know the ultimate goal, and so. You know, having that opportunity to represent, you know, a whole nation, but right in, right in my backyard where my whole family came out and all my friends and at least the ones who are local that could make it. And just doing that, it, there was just, you know, it's still hard for me to put in words, you know, the meaning that it really had. And then it will have that I can look back on for the rest of my life um, through a soccer career and, and beyond. But, um, yeah, it was it was a surreal experience to get that opportunity. And, yeah, I just super thankful for it. But. More importantly, you know, we got a 2-0 win and continue to uh, develop in each of uh, Greg's checkpoints, you know, at the end of the camp there, which was also a lot of fun to be a part of. 
Now, when the, when that, when the camp's over and those games are over, how, how long did it take you to kind of get a sense of just what it means to play for the national team? Because because when you when you do things for for your club team or, or for for San Jose, uh, it has a certain certain audience, right? And but when you when it, when you get the national team, when the national team is involved, it's just a whole nother level, right? So I mean, when did you get a sense like where you realized just how many more people are just completely kind of immersed in this and and did it hit you pretty pretty soon after that like because it for me it almost seemed like a lot of people uh discovered you with these games a lot lot of people who kind of maybe not might not have seen you with San Jose but it definitely seemed like after these games a lot of people were talking about you um yeah I mean obviously the national team has that much more weight behind it right it's it's the national team and you know in my opinion the national team wearing the red, white, and blue, and, you know, the crest is the highest honor that you can, you know, you can have in sport um, if you're representing the whole nation. Um, but with that being said, you know, as far as my mindset and style of play, and, you know, it's just the level from, you know, the Quakes to the national team or, or whatever it is, it, it's got to be, there's no reason to change it, you know, in the development in the way you play. I think it's just, you know, I go out and be myself just like I would be in San Jose since, you know, when I came into the league, obviously you learn, you grow, you develop, but, you know, just, be, just being my same, my same self and playing with those same attributes and hopefully that it translates at that higher level. And I, now that, you know, I've seen it, if I get another opportunity, you know, I can continue to grow at that higher level. But yeah, I think off the field, yeah, you know, that it sets in, you know, you soak it in what it really means, the bigger audience, but, you know, on the field, I think if you think about it too much, then, you know, problems arise and, and you don't perform at that that level. You know, you can. So it sounds it sounds to me like you 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 might have been a little hard on yourself there after these games. Is it just one of those things where you you, you the mistakes are what kind of stick in your mind, or so, or did or at some um, point did you kind of look back and say, all right, no, nah, I I played well. I I think I did well. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's like it's what I always do. Right, you have you have to. I think give yourself a little pat on the bat when you, when you do something well, but at the same time, like one of my biggest things and what I, you know, want to push for is is just consistency. And to be able to do that, I think being the first one to recognize your mistakes and that it can be better, you know, that's how you're going to develop. Um, And that's just kind of, kind of the way I am because I always want to develop. I always want to get better. And I know that especially in this sport and in sports in general, there's so much room to grow and, it's also it's also fun. It's fun getting on the training field. You know, if you mess up, you know, I get angry. I'm competitive. Um, mad at myself. Um, you know, or you know, whatever it is, mad at the other team or whatnot, and just want to keep keep repeating that, and doing it. And it's also for love of the game, right? To to do all that. So, it, you know, if you're out there being content, it's almost less fun. But if you're out there, you know, trying to prove yourself, you know, or go out there and, and get better, and then you perform better at a higher stage. You know, that I think that's even even more fun. So, yeah, I'm definitely my uh, a big critic of myself, <laughs> I would now, say. Now, now, 2018 was obviously a, a tough year uh, in terms of with San Jose and, and, and the season uh, the Earthquakes had. And, and as far as you, you go, I mean, you, you, you know, right back's your position, but you spent some time at left back. How tough was it just as a as a season? Like, what, what was the what was the toughest part about it? Obviously, losing is, is, is always is always difficult, but uh, how tough a year was it for you just to kind of – because, I mean, there, there were definitely some stretches there where just things just obviously weren't going well for you guys. Yeah, no, I mean, 
obviously, yeah, like you know, it was it was a very tough year results wise. Um, but again, like you can't when when you can't when things are going well, you can't. I feel like you can't get too high and you can't get too low. You understand them. You you take it in for for what they are. You can't be ignorant to the fact. But also at the same time, you have to uh, <clears throat> also find a you know a good median. And when we were struggling, what was an opportunity to through my play, uh, hopefully, you know, bring new energy at times, um, you know, get guys on board, try to inspire through, you know, work great. We had a couple guys on the team, you know, the way they play, um, try to, you know, develop, if you can develop as well in a situation like that, I felt that, you know, when it starts to get better, that you can just go even further and make it, make a difference. Um, you know, when it starts to go well, but to be able to, with, a season like that um, really continue to grind, you know, with the biggest mental, I guess, kind of uh, uh, just strain, you know, being having so many tough results, you know, you, you can you can build some mental strength out of it, which is which is never a bad thing. Right now, now, when you look back on last year, and I'm sure you don't you don't you don't want to spend too much time thinking about last year, but. If you, if 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 you had an answer, if you if you thought about it, why do you, why do you think the team kind of what, what was the biggest issue? If if you had to kind of try to put your finger on it, would, why do you think you guys just had such a rough time last year? Um, we I felt like there was times where we you know we we just I don't think we believed in ourselves as much as we should have with the talent we had, um, and you know we you know they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's uh. <clears throat> It's still, I think it's still hard to to point your finger at one thing, but I think taking away from last year, you know, we learned that we can be better in a lot of aspects, but we can be a better team. We can bring ourselves, you know, whether it's individual and come together, create a culture, you know, with Matias Almeida and, you know, just as players as well as an organization and, and just we have to, you know, change that look um, from the inside out and, and re- results will come, but it starts with, just believing in ourselves first, and I think that that's a uh, clear change that I've seen already in the few weeks here. Now, now obviously, you, you kind of you knew there, were, you, there was obviously going to be a change this off season, but I don't think anyone expected uh, the earthquakes to hire someone like Almeida. I mean, he's he's someone who. Uh, I think a lot of people were definitely surprised that, that he, he, he came, and he obviously is such a well-respected coach. What, what, what was your reaction when you heard that, that they had hired him? Um, I mean, there was, there was excitement. Uh, obviously you said you weren't expecting it. I guess a little confusion. Um, <laughs> wait, we, we got this guy really? Okay, sweet. Um, and then, uh, and then there was, you know, a lot of research to just, just see what he does. Cause you know, we're the guys in it, you know, we're the guys that are going to have to learn from him and get a good, uh, good knowledge of, of what he's going to bring to the organization. And then, and then also just, you know, kind of relax, get away from it a little bit and just, again, allow myself to come in with an open mind to what he has to say and and then, uh, you know, take that and hopefully change uh, change what happens and change the way, uh, you know, we go into this season. Now, obviously you were with the national team in national team camp, so you got to, to Earthquakes camp a little late, but you finally you went down to Cancun. Slightly better weather in Mexico than, than you had in San Jose for the for, for the U.S. game. Uh, 
now that you've actually had some time to work with Almeida, I mean, what what's kind of what impresses you? What impresses you about him, or what what, what did, is it pretty clear to you, like why this guy's such a been such a successful coach? Yeah, and I think I think it starts with you know his passion for the game. You know, he doesn't he's not just a coach, and you know he's good at his job, but he loves the game. And when he loved the game, you know, there's you know you put that much more effort to it, and, and you you know you really teach what you believe in and guys see that and guys want to play for him and guys want to listen to him and guys want to want to be, you know, he doesn't, you know, chew people out, but critiqued by him and, and just hear what he has to say because yeah, he's had so much success had so many good players, so many good teams um, that it's, it's a, uh, we've, I've learned a lot in the small amount of time uh, with him and, and I guess the language barrier too. <laughs> right. Right. Well, speaking of that, the language barrier, I feel like everyone who meets you just assumes that you speak Spanish, right? And I know this is probably yeah. something you've, 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 you've had, uh, you've dealt with your whole life. Now, now it's, now there's even more incentive for you to learn. How, how is the Spanish coming along? I would say it, it's decent. I can understand uh, a good amount when, when they're speaking uh, as far as soccer terms. I can I can follow along I can hear um, and I can get the meaning of I would say you know 75 percent of of everything they say but then you know I'm I'm trying as much as I can now every night to uh, to do my uh, time in front of uh, what's the Duolingo app I'm sure there's some guys who are putting a lot of effort uh, shout out Tommy Thompson who's basically fluent now it's impressive is he really. <laughs> Oh, I gotta hear that. Yeah, I, I want to say he's fluent. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta hear. Expect. I want to hear him do a Spanish interview. That, that that's what I, I gotta. I gotta you should. That. Honestly, he would love it if I, you gave him a call and did a Spanish interview. He'd do the whole thing and just absolutely eat it. Nice, up. nice. I gotta, I gotta try that. I gotta try that. So, so, so it's been. He's so my for, roommate. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So, so it's been like four so I months. I gotta get on his level. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a little. Is he a little older than you? So he's got a little more, little, little bit of experience. I think. A little more. A little more. <laughs> well, he's younger, but been in the league more. Is he younger? Yeah, he's a year younger. What? I, that's what, yeah, exactly. He's been in the league so long, you feel like he's like yeah. thirty already. That's what, wow. That yeah. blew my mind there. I didn't realize how young he is. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, speaking of languages, is it, you, you've had to deal with a lot of languages the last few months because you, you you were just you were in November. You were in Germany. Uh, you went over to Hertha Berlin. Uh, spent a few weeks over there, uh, uh, training over there. What was that? What was that experience like? Um, yeah, that was a great opportunity, you know, right after the season to kind of shorten the length of the off season and go train with uh, a very well-known team at an extremely high level and just continue developing. Um, but in a new culture, that was uh, that was awesome to see. And from just a playing standpoint, you know, it was a uh, <clears throat> very high level, kind of, you know, right when I got there, just thrown into it. And, you know, a little jet lag, but took a little, you know, I was ready to go. I don't think I was worried about it and just excited to be there and soak up as much information that I could in the short time that I was, I was given an opportunity to be there. Nice. And you, I guess you only had to, got to spend a little bit of time with your, your buddy uh, Jonathan Klinsman because he got called into U.S. camp, right? Is that, is that what happened? He just kind of left you. Ended up, you ended up just leaving you stranded in Germany by yourself. Yeah, I know. What's up with that, John? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> he was called in. So we got, we got the weekend to uh, – to hang out and uh, you know catch up, but you know, I think every night we were still we were still FaceTiming each other, even though I was living in his spot and he was away nice. <laughs> at that time. But it was you know it was good, and hopefully you know we get opportunities again in the future to uh, 
to catch up and, and be in a similar spot. Now, now, obviously, there's so many Americans going over to Germany now, uh, especially younger younger American players that are that are really starting to break through there. Um, now, you, you got a little taste of what it's like over there. I mean, is that is that something that you see yourself doing, when, uh, you know, at some point is going over to Europe, going over to may, maybe potentially Germany? Is that did that did that experience get, leave that hunger in your in your mind? Like, I, I want to go back and, and go through that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, as, as far as the club level, right, you, you, the goal is always to play at the highest level. And when the, you know, if, if there's an opportunity that comes, then absolutely I, I want that opportunity. And if that's in Germany or wherever it may be, I think that's, that's my dream at the club level to, yeah, continue to grow and, and play at, play at the highest level. So, you know, take it one step at a time, but yeah, def, definitely, um, something that uh you know you, you always want to be ready for nice and obviously with the national getting back to the national team since you mentioned jonathan uh, got called in there uh there's games coming up in march uh a couple of a couple of matches uh here here in the u.s actually but it's going to be kind of the full the full squad every everyone's available uh how much are you kind of thinking about that and and the possibility of you being a part of that group i mean how, how much is that kind of on your mind um, yeah, I think first, first and foremost, it's it's about uh, the start of the MLS season, and you know, hopefully, you know, I, you know, we go out and get a couple of results with San Jose, and you know, I got to play my game and and keep showing that I can play at a high level. And if if Greg sees me as part of his his roster or his agenda in, in those matches, then yeah, absolutely, I you know, I want to obviously, but you know, I, you know, I'm not really thinking about it too much. But if the opportunity comes, then yeah, I, I'm definitely. I'm definitely wanting to be there, and yeah, I'll be ready. All right. Speaking speaking of the earthquakes, uh, and uh, going back to Almeida, and obviously his, with his style of play, do you feel like like it's going to suit you pretty well the, the way he likes to attack and the way he likes to approach the game? I mean, do you think that it, it's a good fit for for the way you play? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a there's a lot of freedom. Um, I mean, we got a who I think is is going to be a uh, not a surprise, but a very exciting player. For a lot of people to see, and Christian Espinosa on the on the right hand side, right in front of me, that we're going to be able to, uh, yeah, free each other up, give each other a lot of opportunities, you know, get forward, use, you know, speed and and just athleticism. So it's it definitely gives me freedom, and and Almeida does, you know, he allows us to get forward and really, you know, get into the attack. So I'm excited for it. And yeah, definitely, I think uh, it, it it fits a lot of things that I want to do. So you sound you sound pretty confident that uh, I mean and that that there is a there is kind of an attitude in this group in this coming out of this camp in San Jose that we could see a turnaround and in MLS we see turnarounds all the time from one year to the next where a team goes from you know the basement to you know the top of the conference I mean it could is that do you think that's something we could see this year that you guys turn it around and, and all of a sudden be right up there with the top teams in the West that that's the goal right I mean you. Know, <laughs> nobody plays to lose so um you know one game at a time but yeah i absolutely think there's a talent in this locker room and and uh obviously in the coaching staff and and yeah i think you know we're going to be different and i think there's going to be a for sure turnaround and and you know obviously <laughs> might be a little biased on that too but uh no i really i really do believe that i'm excited to uh you know see not the finished product but the product uh against montreal now I know you're not someone who who spends a lot of time worrying about 
public perceptions or, or, or what people think of you, but there is there has there is more pressure. I feel like there's more pressure on you now going into this season because of what you showed with the national team, and people are already talking about you now, and you're, you're flying up the depth chart at right back. Uh, I mean, I have you number two already, so I mean that you know for what that what that's worth. So, uh, uh, is, is that is that is that something? Is that have you even more excited? Also, just that idea, like okay, now. More people are watching. More people are, you know, more people are going to keep be keeping track of what I do because of the national team. Because they want to see me, you know, see me fit into that picture. Do you feel that? Do you feel like there is that there is a little bit more there now? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's kind, you know, it's you know, fruits of your labor. You know, hearing, you know, positive things, but at the same time, you know, there's there's an equal amount of criticism. You know, wherever you look, and and so. <clears throat> but, you know, that's not really something that, yeah, you stay too worried about. I'm just excited to get out there and, and be me again and play my game. And, you know, there's there's highs and lows. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it, I'm going to play my game and whoever else is in that position or whatever position it is is going to play their game. And it's going to be for San Jose, Matias Almeida's call of who he wants to play. And with the national team, it's going to be Greg Berhalter's call, whoever he wants to play. And, yeah, so I'm not going to you know, worry too much about that because there's only so much I can do and that's just play my game. Great. All right. All right, man. Well, I definitely appreciate the time and, uh, and good luck Good luck this season with the earthquakes. I do think you guys are, if we're putting a list together of teams most likely to turn it around, I think you guys are right up there. And now you've added a Peruvian player, so that, that that's going to help you guys because every team that yeah. adds a Peruvian <laughs> player, they get better. I don't know if you knew that, but the track record of we Peruvians gotta, uh... in MLS is pretty good. I like it. We got a, so you're a little biased towards that. You like the Peruvian. I got a Peruvian last name, technically. Well, that's, what, that's what's but, funny, right? People think, let, let me tell you. Yeah. So when people see you, I'm sure they probably think you're Peruvian, and then your name is yeah. Lima. So do you get that? Do you get people telling you they think you might be Peruvian? Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and people <laughs> even think my dad's Peruvian, but he is definitely not Peruvian. Portuguese, so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? There are times where I run with it. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I'm Peruvian, and I just got here from Peru. Yeah, and see, funny enough, people believe it. You got to be careful with that, because I got to tell you, it's, what I found interesting in in this whole thing, where people more and more people started to kind of pay attention to you with the national team, I started getting people saying that we that they think you and I are related. I don't know if you heard that or ah. if you knew that. People, yeah, I got, I got, a, I got a few of those. I got a few of those. I don't know if that's, I don't know. I, 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 that's more of a compliment to me maybe than you, but you know, like I, we got a little bit of that. But just to clear it up for people, we are, we are def, we are not related, not as far as I know. Although, okay. ancestry.com, we've both done it, and I think we, yeah. we, we both have a lot of native, Native American in there. So you know, maybe we're like twelfth cousins or something. So. Uh, so you told the truth. I thought before this we said we were going to say we're, we're related. All right, all right. So we're not related. Got it. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. We, yeah, we we got to nip that in the bud because then people because see when because right, if people fair. think we're related and then I start writing positive things, they're going to just assume you know I'm I'm hyping you up because we're uh, so can't bias. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Makes yeah. sense. I like it. Yeah, yeah, we're not related. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, definitely appreciate the time, man, and uh, and good luck this season. And and we'll we'll get you on next when you score your first goal. I don't know how long that's going to take this in 2019 but it should be pretty quick what do you think <laughs> i'm hoping so 100 percent hoping so so i mean san jose last time with the national team they made the goals a little smaller they made it north net regulation size that would have went in right now <laughs> hey, yeah you had, yeah you should have had a goal in the game in the u.s game against the in, in this yeah. in the game in san jose that uh, did you think it was in did you think that goal was in when you hit it yeah i i, well, I was like 
I kind of had like an oh shoot moment. Like, wait, is that going in? But yeah. Yeah. Next <laughs> next time. Next time. All right, man. Next well, time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks again for the time and good luck this year, and uh, can't wait to have you on again. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, good talking to you. Well, that's Nick Lima. Once again, great, uh, great guest. As it turns out, it wasn't actually last year that he was on the show. He was actually on the show two years ago. He was on the show his rookie year. It might have felt like last year just because the, you know, the SBI show hasn't really been around much in the last year. So it probably felt to me like it was a year ago. It was actually two years ago. Uh, and it, it, I have to say, it's great to see his, his career continue to, to, to move forward. And, and definitely in the last few months, uh, his stock has skyrocketed, and now with Matias Almeida in charge in San Jose, uh, I think he's going to. You think he's uh, he's up? He's in for a big year, and clearly Greg Berhalter likes him, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see what he can do from there, and we'll definitely have him on again once he scores that next goal, that first goal, whenever that comes, and uh, I have a feeling it's going to come pretty soon. So uh, it's great to have him on again. Now it's time to talk about the Eastern Conference, and of course, uh, you know the East Coast bias is at play here, as, as I'm sure I'm always I'm always reminded, and I'm always told. But uh, it's time to definitely get into the Eastern Conference, and uh, we'll start from the bottom. <laughs> uh, FC Cincinnati. Uh, it's great that they're coming into the league. They they already have a, a huge huge fan, a, amount of fan support. Uh, and you know the atmosphere is going to be something special uh, at, at Nippert Stadium for them when when they when they begin play there in a few weeks. But it's going to be a rough season, I think, for the first year team. I don't think we're going to see an ex- a situation where, where where it's LAFC or or it's Atlanta United year one. I think they're going to struggle. And uh, they did add some good pieces. Uh, they do have some elements there for to to. to Put a team together, but in terms of consistently competing, I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to be a handful in some ways. I think at, uh, when you look at some of the speed that they have and, and and some of the veterans they have in the back, but I just think when you put the pieces together, I think they're going to struggle, uh, and I think they're going to struggle pretty badly. So we'll we'll see how things come along. We'll see what kind of patience Cincinnati has and their ownership. Uh, has with uh, the struggles that they might have, and uh, you know the, the, we'll see if how long the coach is given. Um, but for me, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a long one for Cincinnati. They, they and, and and I'm in, I'm definitely intrigued to see what they do and 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 what what system they play. I know there's been in, in the preseason they were they're using a lot of three man, uh, some three four three. Uh, and I know I know some teams that that obviously have used that uh, used that last year. When you look at Cincinnati's personnel, and uh, I mean they, <laughs> I think they have like. 12 uh, defensive midfielders or 12 central midfielders, uh, really not 12, but they, they've got a bunch. So we'll see how they, how they can piece that together. And I, I want to say it's pronounced Koch. And if it's Alan Koch, <laughs> the, 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 uh, or Alan Coke, is it Alan Koch or Alan Coke? Well, either way, he's got his hands full and uh, he's going to uh, have to come up, come up with uh, the, the best midfield that he can come up with. He's got some good pieces there. Alan Cruz, I really like the, the Costa Rican midfielder. Uh, obviously, you have some MLS veterans in there and, and Victor, Victor Yoa. And uh, you have Caleb Stenko, who's been brought in now. I know uh, MLS fans uh, aren't that familiar with him. They just know that he's an American that was over in Europe. And, uh, you know, he's gotten the, the, the random uh, U.S. national team cup of coffee. But now we'll see what he can do in the league. Uh, so there's some some pieces there. There's some pieces there to, to put together a midfield, and I'm very interested to see Frankie Amaya, the, the number one overall pick. Uh, he's a very talented player, but he's very young. You know, he's he's still I think a little a little raw, not raw, but he's young. And I think it, 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 throwing him in in year one, uh, it, it'll be good to see him get minutes, right? Because you want to see a, a player with his talent and at his age, you want to see him get a chance to develop. But I don't think anyone should be expecting him to, to log 2,000 minutes uh, in his first season. I think that'd be 
I think that'd be a tough one on him. Um, but hopefully Cincinnati can bring him along, give him a, a, you know, a chance to develop with some time because uh, the talent is definitely there. Um, but we'll see. Their attack is interesting. You know, they have Fernando, uh, Fernando Adi and Ro- you have Roland Lamar, Kikuta Mane, Emmanuel Ledesma. They, they got some pieces there, but uh, Darren Maddox with his speed off the bench or in the starting lineup, it, if Adi's not firing, if he's not scoring goals, They've got some elements there, so I'm not going to say they're a lost cause. I'm not going to say they're necessarily going to be as bad as Minnesota United was in Minnesota's first season, but it's going to be a long season. Up next, we have the Chicago Fire, and you know it's been a a weird off season for the Fire, right? You know they 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 had some players retire, they had some players leave. Matt Polster's gone to Europe. Brandon Vincent just you know decided to step away from the game. Uh, Andrew Gutman, that whole situation, the the, the highly rated uh, Indiana University product, who you know should have been a Chicago Fire homegrown player, but he decided to take his talents to Europe. And the sense you get is that if the Fire had been more interested, that they they could have had him, but they you know for whatever reason didn't work out. And even though the Fire will will, will will claim that they wanted him and that they were interested in him, whatever happened, it didn't work out. Um, and now you wonder what when you look at, at the team and the needs that they had, and it, when you follow up a, such a bad year for the Fire last year, and you don't really make big moves, you start to wonder, well, why should we expect them to do any better uh, in 2019? And now, obviously, there's been reports that Nico Gaetan, the Argentinian midfielder, is heading to the Fire. That's a big pickup. That's the kind of pickup the the Fire you know should have made a, a year ago. And I know uh, they, they, they tried to get Juan for Quintero, the, the Colombian, and, and that didn't work out for them, unfortunately for them, because, look, Quintero is unbelievable. And that would have been a huge pickup for them if they could pull it, could have pulled it off last year, but they didn't. Uh, now with Guy 10, he could be that that playmaker, that true, you know, that true quality midfielder that they needed, that addition that they needed. And... Uh, I know some people are, some fans will wonder, well, what about Georgi Mihailovic? Is this going to uh, get in his way of developing now? I think he'll get on. The, I think Mihailovic, with the talent that he has and, and with what the Fire, you know, have invested in him, I think they're going to give Mihailovic his chance to play. He, I, I don't think Guy Ten showing up is necessarily going to keep Mihailovic on the bench. Um, and now I'm curious to see what happens with Bastian Schweinsteiger. Does, does Schweinsteiger... Uh, move back into the central defense, or does he go into his natural uh, central midfield role? I was hoping he'd play in the midfield because I think he had, with his quality, that's really where you can sh- he can show off what he can do. He's not a center back, right? Uh, but he's a good enough player where you put him in center back, he'll he'll you know he'll get he'll get it done. He'll he'll give you something. But I think Schweinsteiger is at his best in midfield, uh, and and I think now. But you know, having said that, now that you have. If you're bringing in a Gaetan and you have, obviously, Mihailovic you want to give minutes to, you have Dax McCarty, obviously. Uh, maybe there's maybe you want to put Schweinsteiger in the back because defensively, is uh, you, you look at the group that they have there, and it's not a good group. They, they, they could definitely have a, a really bad defense. They could have the worst defense in the league, one of the worst defenses in the league, if they don't go and, and, and make a big pickup or two. Um, so maybe we'll see Schweinsteiger there. And if we do, I, I, I don't really see them having much success, um, even with Gaetan. So I think it's going to be a long year, another long year in Chicago. Uh, moving on, uh, Orlando City uh, checking in at number 10. And, and uh, this, is, uh, this is an interesting one, right? Because the more I look at Orlando City, uh, the more I see you know, how they looked in preseason. Uh, they had a player like Nani, who I think has 
has something left, and I know I you know I got some flag from some Orlando fans uh, when when the signing first happened, and I kind of I raised the question. I don't know how much he has how much he has left in the tank, and that's not to say I don't think he'll he'll he won't come in and make an impact. I think he will. I think he'll be a good to very good MLS player. Do I think he'll be an MVP candidate? No. Do I think he'll be uh, best eleven ca- uh, level player? Not quite. Um, but I think he he's gonna be you know. Could he be a 10 and 10 guy, 10 goals, 10 assists, 10 goals, 15 assists? I think he could be. Uh, and, and if he can do that, that's definitely a big. And, you know, James O'Connor had a chance to talk to him at the draft, and, and he did make the point that having a preseason and having the chance to really uh, set a, a standard in terms of fitness, set a standard in terms of what he demands from his players and, and his his system – uh, it was huge. It's huge. It's huge for him. And obviously, you know, he stepped in, in into the middle of a disaster last year with Orlando City. So uh, now James O'Connor, who, you know, I, by all accounts I've heard is a, is a very good young coach. Now he's going to have his chance to build from from day one uh, in 2019. And he's already, you know, when you look at the preseason, Orlando's look pretty good in preseason. So uh, we'll see if the pieces come together. We'll see if Dom Dwyer can re- regain his his form as one of the top strikers in the league. He's, I know he's got become a bit of a forgotten man, and and he definitely pays attention to that. He definitely, you know, he, he he's he's definitely one to point out when people overlook him. But you know, if he can get back to his 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 best, uh, and if James O'Connor can figure out that defense, uh, Orlando could turn it around. Definitely, I think the Eastern Conference is 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 open there for you know a team to move up and, and be a playoff team, and I think. Maybe Orlando City could be that team, um, but right now I'm not projecting them. But if they if they if they become if they wind up being a surprise, uh, if they wind up being a team that turns it around, I won't be stunned. I won't be shocked. Uh, there are teams that would shock me if they if they became a playoff team like Cincinnati, uh, like Chicago. But it wouldn't necessarily shock me if Orlando City turned things around. Up next, in at number nine uh, in the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go with the New England Revolution and. Brad Friedel, uh, in year two of his project, uh, obviously he had his chance to really uh, to change the roster to suit to be a, better suited for what he wants, and, and he was able to, to to move some players on. Obviously, adding Edgar Castillo to to, to, to address the left back position was a very good pickup for them. Uh, Juan Caicedo, the striker, they're hoping he kind of uh, he becomes their main striker, and it's not the whole kind of striker by committee. That, that they've had there. I think that's that going to be big if Caicedo can be that consistent goal scorer for them. And Carlos Gill, the the, the, the Spanish midfielder, is, is the type of player that, you know, I think the Revs are hoping will be that kind of 15-assist guy, that consistent playmaker that, you know, is, is, is kind of going to become the face of that midfield. So if Gill and if Caicedo um, – or end up being as good as advertised, then you're talking about New England potentially being a playoff team. However, it still comes down to the defense. It still comes down to can Brad Friedel get that back line together and have it be more consistent? And that's the big issue with the, with New England was the consistency, the lack of consistency, particularly in the defense. And and uh, if he if he can sort that out, then New England is is very much a team that could be a playoff team. I mean, I, I like Matt Turner and goal. I like their the, the options that they have now in attack. Christian Pania was was one of the really one of the better signings of 2018, and one of the for me one of the most overlooked signings. I don't I don't think Pania um, got enough attention for for the quality that he brought last year to the Revs. Um, and I think now in year two, if he's a perfect example of a player, if Caicedo, if Carlos Gill end up being as good as, as, as the Revs hope, then you have a player like Pania who's going to 
benefit from that. And Padilla could be the guy who really racks up the stats because those players have stepped come have come in and given the Revs um, some more consistent options. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm still not sold on the defense, and that's why I have them where, where I have them. I have them kind of just outside. But, again, uh, much like Orlando, I could see New England putting it together um, but my questions about their defense, much like the questions, my questions about Orlando's defense, uh, keep me from putting them into the playoffs. So for right now, I have them in at number eight. Checking in at number eight in the Eastern Conference, I have the Montreal Impact. And I know the Impact, they were not, the Impact were not that far away uh, from the playoffs last year, right? And and they've really tried to keep their team together. They, it's interesting, right? Because, I mean, the, the folks in Montreal always feel like they're overlooked. And, and, and you know, there, there's something to be said for that, that, that you know, they, they, they're kind of become a forgotten team. They're up there in up, up, up Montreal. They speak French. So, yeah, you know what? I, I'll, I'll admit I, I'm a little guilty of that. I don't I don't watch them as much as I should, as much as, uh, you know, obviously I watch some of the other teams, Atlanta, New York, and, and New York, and even the Columbus crew. You end up watching the Columbus crew more than you watch Montreal. Um, but, I, you know what? I, I think they're a team that I don't know if they have a high ceiling, right? I think they're a team that could be good. Uh, they, they, they could be kind of that middle-of-the-pack team. They could eat, squeeze into the playoffs, right, in the last spot. I think that's their hot. That's their their ceiling. I don't see they're they're not. I don't think they're a team that, that Remy Guard's going to put together and have them challenge uh, one of the top two or three teams in the East. I don't see it. I don't see it. But could they be a playoff team this year? Absolutely. They could absolutely be a playoff team. But I'm going to put them just outside of the playoffs this year. Uh, and the the last team I have getting into the playoffs out of the East is Toronto FC. And I know anyone that watched them in Concacaf Champions League. Is probably thinking, are you crazy? Are you? Did you not watch them get worked by a Panamanian team in Concacaf Champions League? How do you think they're gonna do anything? Especially now that Sebastian Jovinko's gone. I get it, folks. I get it. But look, I, I still think the pieces are there for them to be better, and I think the pieces are there for them to 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 get back to the playoffs. I know they, as of this recording, uh, they haven't announced the, the their DP signing Pozuelo, but that, I mean, by all accounts, that's going to happen. So he, and I think he's a guy who steps right in and is, is one of the better players in MLS, and that's huge for them, and that's going to help offset the loss of Sebastian Jovinko, but you're not going to replace Jovinko, right? You're not going to find someone who, who can give you everything that he gave you. So I think from that standpoint, that's a tough one for TFC to have to deal with. Although, to be fair, I, I will say this about Jovinko, and I know when Jovinko left, um, there was all this talk about, oh, you know, where does he rank among the all-time DPs? And, you know, he's one of the best DPs ever. And, you know, I, I get that. But you know what? I'll say this. Last year, I saw a player who really disappeared for, for a, lot of, a lot of games and a lot of stretches. And when you're as good as he is and when you're capable of as much as he is, it's definitely a big hit to a team when he disappears the way he did. And I thought he did. He Beginning of the year, I thought he was great. And... Uh, you know what? Maybe the whole contract situation got into his head. Maybe the fact that he couldn't get a new deal uh, really kind of d- distracted him or, or, or didn't bring the best out of him later in the year. And I think we saw that, and I think that played a part in Toronto not making the playoffs. So the quality, you know, he was still one of the best players in the league when he was on his game. But I think at, if you look at the, the, the arc of his career when he was in Toronto, I, I just think that toward the end he just wasn't as consistent now, does that mean TFC wouldn't take him now? I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think if, I think if he, I just don't think he, I don't, I don't think he was consistent enough in 2018. And I don't think people talk about that enough, but they're still going to miss him. Uh, as far as what they still have there, um, 
Josie Altador is going to be returning from injury. And I think he's someone who, you know, a lot of people have written him off. A lot of U.S. fans have written him off. A lot of U.S. fans can't stand him. Uh, I mean, him and Michael Bradley, uh, the whole hatred of these two guys by some fans in the U.S., I think has always kind of boggled my mind a bit. It really has. But it is what it is. I think Altador is going to come back strong this year. I think he's going to be, you know, 15, 20-goal guy if he can stay healthy. I know that's a big if, but he still has quality that I think people are just, you know, some people are choosing to ignore, and I think he's going to remind people. Uh, the player that he can be. Uh, and Michael Bradley, uh, look, clearly Michael Bradley's lost a step. Clearly Michael Bradley isn't the player that he was a few years ago. But he still can be one of the better players in the league. And last year, it just it's just funny to me for the people who were very down on Michael Bradley. Uh, you can obviously point to last year. Last year was a bad year by his standards, by his standards. But I'd also say part of the reason for that was because, you know what, he had to play center back for a good chunk of the season. Not the whole season, but a good chunk of the season. And he had to play center back because of all the injuries that they had. He is not a center back, uh, much like Bastian Schweinsteiger. He can give you some good elements anywhere on the field, but then he's also going to get exposed when he's in that part of the field. And and obviously that led to some really rough games, really uh, just really bad games, really, from him and from Toronto. Uh, but you'd like to think that now with Lawrence Simon coming in, uh, he'll be able to stay in central midfield. Uh, and Lawrence Simon, look, Lawrence Simon does not look good. He did not. Lawrence Simon looked terrible in the Champions League. And if he, if that's the player that the, that TFC has signed, if if, if that if, if that's the Simon that T, that Toronto gets in 2019, they're not making the playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. They need they need uh, you know best eleven defender of the year caliber Lawrence Simon. They don't need whole oh, crap. This guy just came off vacation and looks terrible, Lawrence Simon. And we'll see which one uh, Toronto gets during the season. But uh, you know I think if if he gets back to being what he is, if Chris Mavinga starts to look like <coughs> the player that that we know he can be, Toronto's defense is going to be all right. And that's the key. That's the whole thing with TFC because I think they're going to score goals. Um, but I just, again, there's another team, and it's going to sound like a broken record talking about defense. And the teams that I, I find myself scratching my head over are the teams that just their defense is the big question mark. And for me, TFC's defense is a big question mark. So Greg Vanny's got his hands full, and the honeymoon is definitely over in Toronto when it comes to Greg Vanny, who two years ago could walk on water in Toronto. And now it's like, you know what? It's time for Vanny to go. Uh, and I feel like, man, that's a little early. I feel like that's a little early. And it, it's interesting how I, some people view things down uh, up up there when you want to talk about their roster, where things stand, why they're a mess. And, you know, not not to knock on Tim Bezbachenko, but I feel like Tim Bezbachenko's gotten a bit of a, a bit of a kind of a get out of jail free card. I don't hear a lot of people talking about Bezbachenko's last year in Toronto and it wasn't a great year. Ali Curtis has come in there, and already Ali Curtis is catching flag for, for the state of the team when he just got there. Give Ali Curtis some time. I think Ali Curtis is going to, you know, once he gets settled in there, give Ali Curtis a, a, a summer transfer window. Give him a full year, and then you can start talking about what he's doing with Toronto. But I think it's still early to, 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 to judge what he's going to do there. But I do think people need to look at 2018 and the fact that none of their signings panned out in 2018. And that really set them up for failure. Because when when you when you have a team as good as TFC was a year ago, as much as we were talking about, oh, best team of all time, best MLS team of all time, when you have a rash of major injuries and you, none of your signings pan out, you are going to 
be bad. You're not going to make the playoffs. You're going to have a season like TFC had. And we'll see if they can bounce back. I think they'll bounce back to a certain degree. I'm not ready to go all in and say, oh, hey, look, they're going to be a top two, three team powerhouse in the East. I'm not ready to put them all the way back. But I think they're going to get to the playoffs. I think they are. Um, so we'll see. In at number six, uh, a team that I could I could see ending uh, ending up three or four, but for now I'm gonna have them at six. Is the Philadelphia Union? Uh, they're a team that they they they've brought most of their their key pieces back, and now they've added Marco Fabian. And you want to see uh, what player Marco Fabian, which Marco Fabian shows up? Is he gonna ha- is he gonna be the injury hit Marco Marco Fabian, or is he gonna be the dynamic midfielder, which is what the Union need? They, they you know Borek Dokal. Is it, did not come back, uh, the MLS assist leader, and obviously that was a big hit for them. But I tell you what, Fabian, for me, he's an exciting player because I think when he's on his game, Marco Fabian can be a, one of the best players in the MLS when he's on his game. And he's stepping into, a, a, I think, a good situation there. With, I think the union has some good pieces. And I think as that d- defense continues to develop, as the Austin trustee Mark McKenzie center back 10 continues to develop, you have Andre Blake in goal, who for me, I th- you know, he's my pick to win goalkeeper of the year. I like the pieces there, and I and, and I think Jim Curtin is an underrated coach. He gets a lot of flack for for not doing more with what he has there, but people always kind of tend to overlook the fact that he doesn't have the resources that other teams have. But now you give credit to the union ownership; they 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 got a deal done to bring Marco Fabian in, and we'll see if Fabian can be the player that they that they need that big dry attacking weapon to drive the whole attack. And if he if he is that player, the union will absolutely be a top three. Or, you know, top three or four team in the East. But for right now, I'll put them in at number six, uh, and we'll see where they go from there. Uh, Up next is NYCFC, and I have them in at number five. And they're a team that, you know what, as good as they should be, I think they're a team that, if you ask me, like, who's a team that might just, the wheels might fall off, uh, it's them. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know why I feel that way, because when you look at, at the players that they have, they should be better, right? Or they should have a solid season and that's there's a reason i have them in at number five i could have moved them up to four i I did not see them being in the top three in the east but i have them slotted in at five um obviously david via leaving is huge it's a huge blow for them because he was so important to them uh and they are going to go find a striker as of right now heading into the opening week of the season they have not signed that new striker uh they did sign mitrita as the new designated player and he's a player we're talking the romanian javinko as some people want to call and actually i don't know if anyone calls him that i think i call him that maybe i'm i made it maybe i made it up i don't know but what i've seen from him he looks like a player he looks like a player uh, and I think he's gonna ha- he's gonna be a big a big ad- addition for them. Um, but they need some players to step up. They need Jesus Medina uh, to to reappear here. Talk about a guy who in the first half of the season looked like a world beater, but by the end of the last season he was a ghost. He was nowhere to be found. They need him to step up. I like that they brought in Keaton Parks and Juan Pablo Torres, a couple of American midfielders, and then you have James Sands, a, a homegrown player, a, a teenage midfielder who could end up stepping in and starting for NYCFC. And, and I'm excited to see if that can happen because I've heard nothing but good things about James Sands and the way he develops and, and, and the fact that Domin- Dominic Torrent likes James Sands and could give him the opportunity. So yeah, there's reasons to be optimistic in NYC, but I want to see what striker they bring in, what level of striker. Obviously, you know, you're not going to go get a Davia, but if they can get themselves a, a, a really good striker, then you're then you're talking about them again as a number three, number four team in the East. I think that, that we all know. I think the top two is pretty set. But after that, I think it's a little wide open. Uh, but for right now, I have them in uh, at number five. And checking in at number four in the East is the Columbus Crew. 
And obviously, uh, Greg Berhalter moving on is a big blow for them. But, you know, if, if you could have asked, you know, who, who would you like to bring in to help kind of have a smooth transition there? And I think Caleb Porter, uh, the Columbus crew have to be pretty excited to, to be able to get a coach like Porter, who's obviously you know, has a track record of success in MLS, and I think he's going to step in there. Uh, he's inheriting a team that's – it's already like a ready-made team, right? There's not much that he needs to do. From a, from a system standpoint, obviously, there's there's a lot that has to be done. They're going to play differently under him than they than they played under Burhalter. We know that. Um, so that, that you know, you, you get ready for that. Um, but, I mean, he walks into a team that is pretty set in terms of you have, obviously, Jossie's artists up top. You have uh, Federico Higuain, Will Trap, Arthur in the middle. Uh, you have Zach Steffen in goal, at least for the first half of the season before he moves on to Europe. Uh, so the elements are there for a very good team. And I just don't know about their upside in terms of, you know, can could they break into the top three? What is their ceiling? And for me, their ceiling is pretty much where I have them. I have them in, at number four. I You know, they could easily be a team that maybe slips down to like a six uh, if, if a NYCFC or if a Philly or even if a Toronto, if, if any of those teams really kind of puts it together, uh, they could, I think they could jump ahead of the crew. The crew are going to be a good team. And Caleb Porter is a good coach. He's going to have them be uh, competitive and have them be a team that wins more than they lose. But they are not a team that I don't, I don't, they're not going to be a team that dominates. They're not. So, but you know what? They're a good team. They're going to play some good soccer. And above all, they're going to play, right? And the, we have to talk about the Save the Crew uh, campaign and the success that it was. And you have to give credit to the fans in Columbus uh, for refusing to let their team be taken away and finding a way to, to keep that team in Columbus. And I still say shame on you, MLS, for even entertaining the idea of, of just ripping a team out of Columbus. Uh, but now they're there. They're back. Columbus has been saved. The crew has been saved, and I think they're going to be. They're going to have a good year. Uh, I don't, but I do not see them being a title contender or anything, anything of that nature. Checking in at number three, we have DC United, and I think I'm tell you what. If you saw them in the second half of 2018, and you saw the difference that Wayne Rooney made, and it wasn't just Wayne Rooney. And I think that sometimes it was a little annoying to hear people just kind of automatically put it all on Wayne Rooney and. It wasn't just Wayne Rooney, folks. Uh, Bill Hamid came back. Uh, Russell Knaus uh, came back from injury. Uh, it, it all really came together. There were a lot of elements. But the point is, the team that we saw in the second half of the season, the D.C. United team that we saw in the second half of the season, is a very good team, and they're bringing most of that team back. And I think when you look at that and you look at, at what they showed that they could do, now that they have a full preseason under their belt, uh, to really kind of get get familiar with each other, get familiar with Ben Olsen. Now, I think I, I think they're going to be very good. I, their defense, again, I'm not sold on their defense as a title contender defense. Like, I don't see D.C. United having the defense to win an MLS Cup. But they're definitely a team that's going to be a handful for everybody, including Atlanta, including the Red Bulls. They are going to give them everything they can handle. But over the course of the season, 34-game season, their defense, I think, is going to be what keeps them from being Number one, number two in the East. And you know what? That's fine. They're still going to pack Audi Field. They're still going to play attractive soccer. And obviously, it all a big part of that hinges on Wayne Rooney staying healthy uh, and on Luci- Luciano Costa maintaining his form. And, and you wonder about where Luciano Costa's head is heading into the season. We all know about the reported uh, transfer talks with Paris Saint-Germain, how that fell through. Uh, it was all a little weird to me, to be honest with you. I don't know how much I even bought 
that as ever really being a thing. I mean, that call me a cynic, call me a skeptic. I didn't buy it. I never bought it. I still don't buy it. I still don't think that was ever really a thing. I don't think it ever got close. I don't think it was a case of DC United turning down uh, whatever the offer was. I think it was all, I think this was all smoke and mirrors, to be honest with you. I, you know what? Call me a cynic. I don't, I don't buy it. But I will say this. If he and I think as of this, as of the start of the season, I don't know if he has completely signed a new deal. But if Acosta gets distracted by the fact that he does not have a new deal, that that's not going to go. That's not going to bode well. And I think anyone who saw who has seen Luciano Acosta's time in MLS knows that when Acosta is not interested, he can be pretty atrocious as a player. But when he's on his game, the guy is magical. So we'll see which Acosta shows up because if it's the Acosta that you know was so great last year. Yes, they are going to be great. But if he kind of just decides, ah, you know what, I'm not, I'm not as motivated now because I didn't get the transfer I wanted, I didn't get the, the, the contract I wanted, then you could see some trouble in D.C. Next up, number two, the New York Red Bulls. And I should have them at number one because I actually, I, I think, once again, I think the Red Bulls will probably finish first in the regular season. Uh, just because I think they're so good at home. Their defense is the best defense in the league. So I think they could, uh, once again, finish with the best record in the re- in the regular season, but does that mean they'll get to the final? Uh, and I don't have the Red Bulls getting to the... F- I don't have the Red Bulls winning MLS Cup in 2019, but if they did it, I wouldn't be shocked. I think this, uh, th- you know, they this is as good a chance as they've ever had. This will be as good a chance as they've ever had. You know, the fact that they were able to keep this team together for the most part, obviously Tyler Adams, huge, huge loss, uh, him going to RB Leipzig, uh, because, I mean, the guy does, he, Tyler Adams does the work of like two players, right, two, three players, just his work rate, it's unbelievable, and you're not going to replace him easily, but uh, the Red Bulls do have some really good midfield options that they can plug in there, and really the system is the star, uh, I know that's a big cliche, but when you, they're, between their defense and their high pressing and the players that they have there, uh, and the very underrated Sean Davis, the player who I think uh, one of the more underrated players in the league. I think they and Kaku with a full year under his belt, with a full preseason. I think they, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be one of the top two, three teams in the league. I think they could definitely win the support shield again. I have them winning the support shield again, but I don't know what something keeps me from just picking them over Atlanta. I think Atlanta just we'll get to Atlanta in a minute, but I think something's missing still, like one more piece. And I think the Red Bulls. I know they. I know Martin Jorgensen. They they, they signed. Uh, they did make a signing, uh, an, an attacking signing. But you know, an 18 year old striker, who's not necessarily going to be a year one, high impact player. I don't know if he's the piece that puts them over. Right. If the Red Bulls go and get another another big ticket attacking piece, then you can start talking about them definitely winning an MLS Cup. But I don't know if they're they're going to do that. I think they pretty much are what they are. They have what they have heading into the season, and that's pretty still pretty good. But uh, I'm just I'm stopping just short of giving them MLS Cup. I do have them right there. They want for me they're the second the number two team heading into the season. But I'm going to stop short of giving them MLS Cup. Last but not least, <laughs> number one in the Eastern Conference, Atlanta United. They're, they're still the champs. They're still very good. My, Miguel Almiron, obviously, is a huge loss uh, going to Newcastle. But P.T. Martinez, I think, is going to be unbelievable. I think he's going to be an MVP caliber type player. Uh, best 11, I think, is definitely a possibility for him. But Ezekiel Barco, I think he's the big key for Atlanta United because if he can play and be the player that they thought they were getting a year ago, then they're going to be as good, if not better, than they were last year. Because Ezekiel Bar- because if you get Barco at a high level plus Pitti Martinez, then you're going to then then that 
I, for me, that offsets Miguel, the, Miguel Almiron missing, uh, not having him anymore. Because um, I think the defense is going to be, be what, uh, probably, I think the defense is going to be better than it was last year. Uh, I think the midfield is going to be as good. Darrington Nagby staying put. There was obviously this whole kind of kerfuffle about, you know, maybe he'd leave, maybe he'd move on, go to Columbus or something. Uh, but he's, as of right now, it seems like he's going to stamp hat. And that's huge for them because if they, it really, I just didn't, it wasn't, it didn't. It wasn't very really clear how they were gonna gonna function or how they were gonna piece their team together if they had to deal Darnte Nagmi. And now it looks like he's gonna stay put. But I tell you what, Barco's the key for them. If he plays at a high level, Atlanta's gonna win another MLS Cup. It's as simple as that. Now Barco is the Barco of 2018 and and, and struggles. Yeah, then then the door that opens the door for a team like the Red Bulls. So, uh, but. Early signs seem to suggest that Barco's ready to break out. Barco's ready to do his thing. Uh, he looked really good in their Champions League victory uh, over Herediano, and, and, and that, that bodes well for them, for them in, uh, in 2019. And that is your Eastern Conference wrap-up. No surprises there. I don't think there's anything too, too controversial there, but you know, I'm sure uh, some of you will not be happy with where your teams were, were, were placed, and that's fine. You know, I, I welcome criticism and I welcome complaints. Uh, I do not hate your team. I do not love your team. I know some people think I hate their team, and I know some people think I love certain teams, uh, namely the Red Bulls. People still think I love the Red Bulls, which is funny because there are definitely Red Bull people who will tell you they think I hate the Red Bulls, which is silly. Both are silly. I don't love or hate any teams. Treat them all. I try to treat them all the same, but clearly some teams you're going to treat differently than others just because of how they, you know, how they do, how they do, and how they, how they're run. And uh, I tell you what, this is an exciting, exciting year ahead. I'm looking forward to it. This is my 20th season now covering MLS. My first season was 1999, covering the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, and so much has changed in the league in that time. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I can't, I can't wait to get back. Uh, I won't be, I won't be in person covering any games this weekend. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm actually in Madrid for the Clasico, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Uh, as I'm recording this, it's, uh, the, the, that game is a few hours away. Looking forward to it. Um, and then I'll be heading back home on Sunday, uh, to take on, the Sunday MLS action, and then it'll be right back at it with CONCACAF Champions League at Red Bull Arena uh, this week. So uh, no no rest for the wicked, no rest for the weary. It's going to be a it's going to be a great year. I think it's going to be a great year for MLS. That's all for now, though. Uh, we'll be back. The SBI show will be back, and uh, there's so many things that have kind of gotten in the way of, of, of trying to get the show back on a regular routine. It's my fault at the end of the day. Uh, I kind of wanted things to be perfect before I got things rolling, uh, but I had to get this episode out before the start of the season. It's pretty close to before the start of the season, so uh, if you're listening to this, if you got to, to this point in the episode, I thank you for listening to the whole episode. As I said, I think earlier, uh, it, it's really this is really uh, an episode for posterity, uh, for for people to be able to go back and listen to this uh, at, at any point during the season, so you could see, you know, where where I had things going, what I had projected. Uh, and again, if you if you want more preview material, or you just need to read up on what's going on into heading into the MLS season, make sure you read Goal.com. We have a ton of preview material on there previewing all 24 teams i have my top 50 mls players rankings which i won't get into now i'll get into that next episode because i'm sure a lot of people are unhappy and i'll be the first one to say even bothering to try to do that is a little crazy but you know what 
I wanted to put it out there, give people something to talk about. Would I have made some things? Would I, would I have ranked some players differently with more time? Or if I did a top 50 now, would it be the same as the top 50 I put out a few days ago? Definitely not. It's tough. But what it comes down to is there's more talent in MLS now than there's ever been. And uh, it, that's good to see, especially when you think about all the, the talent that left the league this winter. Uh, Javinko, David Villa, Alfonso Davies, Tyler Adams. Uh, so, so with so much talent that left, there's still uh, a good amount of talent, and it should make for an exciting 2019 MLS season. So once again, thank you for listening to this preview episode, and be sure to listen to the SBI show. I'll be back this week, uh, try to have a couple of episodes and get things back rolling again. It's great to have the show back, and I, I plan on making sure it sticks around so people can really start committing to it like we used to back in the day. Uh, but once again, thank you for listening. Make sure you keep listening. Make sure you keep reading. And uh, as always, I appreciate the support. Uh, that's all for now, though. I'm Ivis Kalarsa. This is The SBI Show.